Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network, powered by Clue, the podcast for product marketers and compete pros looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by Jody Geiger, the revenue enablement coach here at Clue and the host of the Winning as Women podcast on the Compete Network. Also, season two of Winning as Women is coming out here soon in July. I believe July 21st will be the season two premiere. If you haven't checked out the show already, do so on the Compete Network. Jody speaks with sales leaders, sales coaches, other folks in sales enablement space, and they dive in, they get tactical. But what I love most about the conversations Jody has is Jody and the guests always willing to get vulnerable and be human. One of my favorite shows on the Compete Network, so make sure to check it out. In my conversation with Jody today, though, this is for anyone listening. And if you're in product marketing or compete, this likely falls onto you under your bucket here. It's for anyone that's enabling sales, working with sales, supporting sales, because Jody has a wealth of knowledge as a natural coach, a a natural teacher, communicator, and she shares a ton of practical frameworks, tactics to really bring the best out of sales, how to partner with sales, and really help your sellers beat the competition. So love getting this angle from Jody. Uh, I can't wait for everyone to listen to her wisdom. And with that all said, let's get into today's conversation. All right, today I am joined by Clues Revenue Enablement Coach and host of the Winning is Women podcast on the Compete Network. It is none other than Jody Geiger. Jody, thank you so much for joining me today. Adam, so excited to be here. I don't want to bury the lead. Winning is Women season two coming out in July. Season one was awesome. I'm excited for it, but more importantly, what are you most excited for for season two and what can listeners expect? Yeah, season two, we have uh, sales leaders and sales and revenue enablement leaders on as well as some coaches. And it's a tactical tips season as well as a strong focus on our current market today. And we still find those moments to bring in the, the human side of selling. Um, but I think we're in an interesting time. And these conversations have highlighted to me how similar uh, everyone is and every company is that we're speaking with in terms of how they're approaching this downturn, experiencing um, the slowdown in the especially B2B tech market, which is a lot of who we're speaking to. And I think it's, uh, yeah, just consistently inspiring to speak to women who are doing the, you know, the hard work every day to drive their organizations forward in what is not um, an easy moment to sell within. Do you have a dream guest for either end of season two or someone that would kick off winning as women season three? I do. I uh, shared this with producer Ben, but my uh, my dream guest at this moment would be Jody Koner, who heads up sales uh, enablement and the enablement function at Salesforce. Uh, and I was lucky enough to spend a bit of time with her in the fall and got a bit of a, a look under the hood as to what her team is working on. Uh, they're doing some pretty innovative work. And I was impressed by the simplicity of their approach. 
um, especially for being, you know, the size of organization that they are. And so, yeah, the thought of having someone like her on and being able to, you know, share her experience and approach uh, with other sellers and other enablers, I think would be pretty exciting. Jody, consider this a formal invite from Jody. Join her on the show. All Not right. just because we use Jody either. Yeah. <laughs> That's an added bonus. Okay, we like to get tactical in this show. Obviously, audience, a lot of folks in compete, product marketing, but there is that intersection with what you do in revenue enablement. We've talked time and time again about how close people in compete need to be with the revenue function. So, three tactical takeaways for listeners in enabling sales. Yeah, enabling sales. I think that's, um, you know, we can't, we can't put too much on ourselves, I think, as enablers. And so many folks that are in revenue enablement roles come from roles that are so individually focused and individual metrics, you know, driven um, and recognized. And I think that the switch, at least for me, has been moving from, oh, I drive the results, I'm responsible for them, to, ah, I work with others to enable them to drive the results. And I think where enablement teams can sometimes go wrong is when they put it all on their shoulders and they think that, you know, they have to come up with the right, you know, be it not necessarily even messaging or positioning, but, you know, they're responsible for bringing the best tactics in. So I think, you know, sell with friends and the, my tactic around that is the more that you can engage leadership, product, um, marketing, product, um, you know, enablement, and the sellers themselves, um, or customer success managers themselves, uh, that's when the magic starts to happen. And I really think you have to, you know, bring people in to get them bought in. And so tactic number one, yeah, sell with friends. Sell with friends. I like selling is a team sport. I feel like I've heard many people on the podcast say that too. Um, any other tactical pieces of wisdom for someone that is looking to enable the sales team today, especially in the context of the market we're in? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's so much content out there in terms of best practices. And I think it's, I don't know, there's a, there's a pull towards, ah, you know, someone's doing something out there. We should be doing more of that in here and almost, you know, using that to create a standard. And I think from what I found, my, my you know, hot, hot tip on this one would be spend the time to define what good looks like internally, because the problems that you are solving, the conversations that you're having, they're unique to your buyer and your customer and, and honestly to your um, team in terms of the way that you want to show up and the, the culture of the team, the culture of your company. And so I say, start with what good looks like. You know, that literally means getting down to that tactical level, watching all of the calls, looking for themes and patterns. Um, so, you know, what good looks like, bump it up against external best practices out there. Don't forget those. I think that creates a lot of um, validity to what and credibility to what it is that you're doing. Um, and I guess the third tip would be the power of labeling. So as you define what good looks like, you actually need to define, you know, the difference in your plays. Is this a, a competitive deal? You know, am I up against status quo? Or is this someone who's bought, you know, this software before? Or is it someone who has a budget and is going to buy software? We sell very differently in those motions. Similarly, if it's a rip and replace deal, they are already, already using a competing tool. Um, those are all very different plays and approaches that we need to 
take into consideration. And so the labeling comes in is that where I think that enablement has a lot of um, value and can add a lot of value is finding those trends around what good looks like. So at the beginning of a first demo, what are the different elements and moments that your top sellers are going through? Can you find those trends? Can you label them? Because that really starts to be almost the micro framework or micro arc of your um, sales motion, right? And your sales cycle. And once you have those labels and you say, okay, here, you're setting the tone or you're framing the pain or you're, um, you know, you're summarizing and validating. Um, the second that you start to label in that way, you now have common language for not only enablement, but sales leaders, you know, sellers to watch each other's calls and actually find those moments and go, ah, right, that's the arc that I, you know, should be following or I missed that moment. Um, and if without that language, I think we can be talking a little bit too high level or conceptually. Interesting. It sounds to me like that labeling is kind of context setting too, to help the information, whether it's a play, whether it's uh, a strategy that's coming into, into, into motion or a specific deal that we're seeing more of. It just makes it all stickier by labeling it and giving it that kind of context that allows the seller or anyone on a revenue function to be able to like attach, oh, right, this is what we're talking about here. Yeah, and it's those, it's those micro moments, and I think, you know, well summarized by you <laughs> um, for labeling. Uh, but I think it's those micro moments that uh, allow you to dig in and go, okay, so let's now tie this into our, our win rates. Um, are we, is this one seller, when they're going through these motions, do their win rates change when it's a different play, like a rip and replace versus moving from status quo into a tool or onto a platform? And if it does, that's our moment to go in and go, okay, we're curious. What tweaks do we actually need to make here? What do we need to change up in terms of positioning, messaging, the way we you know, demonstrate um, the product um, or the workflows within the product? And so, yeah, I think the context that you're laying there gives you, uh, the, it's the foundation from which you can jump off and, um, and get curious and, and solve at a more micro level. Uh, I want to I want to double click on this one a little bit because I'm curious. You mentioned like, the importance of winning deals now, like the market we're in. From your perspective, when you're when you're talking about some of these coaching best practices right now or these these tactical tips, how much uh, of this this last point you made there? How much are you going into like specific deal support there, or working with a specific seller uh, in the example you mentioned there, or is it more coaching at scale right now and trying to uplift as many as many folks on the revenue team as possible? Like, well, how are you splitting your time? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think it's actually all of those elements, but I think we have what we've learned um, and where we're at right now is we've built a playbook around um, this specifically. So what are, you know, what is our typical selling motion? Let's break that. We know it's in stages right now, but within each of those stages, there's a motion, there's a top, typical top track. There's things that, our top sellers are doing that we want to be able to share out and emulate. And so we've spent that time going through the, um, the you know, recorded calls and actually looking and again, labeling and breaking down the trends. We then take that, you can coach individually on that. So if I went to a seller and said, hey, in deals where you're ripping and replacing, your competitive win rate is 68%. This is how you're demoing product when you do that. You're demoing the product in the exact same way 
in, you know, status quo deals. And yet, you know, your win rate is 17%, maybe. But look over here, you know, we can say it's market, but look over here, your fellow, you know, top seller is actually at 40% or 30% in terms of their win rate from status quo. And here's the difference in terms of how they're presenting or walking through through workflows um, and the types of, um, you know, they're, it's more the human skills that mm-hmm. come into play uh, that set up the, you know, the selling skills. And so, you know, we, we have that, you can work on that individual level, but then that's how we're also stru- um, structuring our enablement, actual live sessions is, all right, let's go into this one call. Let's walk through this. Let's look at the labels. Let's notice them. And then let's dissect, let's tear down, let's build up, um, let's celebrate the, um, our team members for what they're doing. And then, you know, through that conversation challenge one another to, you know, test out, try new things, look at things a little bit differently. And we had a session, uh, this week and actually one of our, our sellers here in AE Lauren, um, that's literally where I got the term Excel with friends when to your first question. Um, Because she coined it that she's like, I feel like these sessions are just really about (laughs) selling with friends. You know, you're you're learning from them, you're chatting with them. And through that, you know, we're walking away at the end of the session going, huh, I want to try that. I didn't realize I was missing that. Interesting. Um, And that's where I think a lot of the the confidence to explore comes in because sellers don't want to um, try something because an enablement leader, you know, Mm -hmm. last held a bag 10 plus years ago tells them to do it. You know, they're actually going to want to do it when they see that their peer who's crushing quota is doing it. That's when they're going to. I love that. I love that you show them what good looks like. And from a from a kind of a broader sense of like, here's win, like average win rates amongst reps or in segments right now. This is where we can improve. But then honing in on the specific deal, what that play was, what was good, what could be tweaked. Um, so kind of zooming in on both levels. I've got some stats for you and I want your I want your immediate reaction, your take to a couple of stats from a research report that we just did at Clue. Uh, for those of you who haven't checked it out yet, When the Pie Shrinks, we spoke with three over 300 revenue leaders, director level and above, to get a sense about how they're navigating this difficult market condition that we're in right now. So check it out, producer Ben, show notes below, can confirm, show notes below. I'm doing a little pointy if you're not if you're just listening to the audio down here. Um, Stat number one, Jody. Only 30% of revenue leaders are confident in their reps' ability to differentiate against alternative solutions. Reaction. So 30%, yeah, 30% of leaders um, trust that their reps can differentiate. Is that, are you surprised? Is that more or less than you think? (laughs) Um, you know, it feels it, it feels a little shocking, I think, just because you I think we think and we take for granted that and we all believe and you can get a bit myopic, I suppose, internally on your own solution that it's obviously different. But then it's interesting to hear that the leaders are like, I'm not sure if my team knows actually how to do it. And I think that's the you know, that's the connecting piece um, against all of the, the go to market functions. But my his initial reaction, as you were saying that, I'm like, we can do better. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need to. Um, you know, I one thing I would say that I'm uh, that we're starting to. We, I mean, we measure, and I think we're starting to really take on as an enablement team is that increase in competitive win rates. So 
we hear a lot of folks uh, in enablement tracking win rates. And I think it's time to start to double down on the differentiate the differentiate <laughs> stat of competitive win rates. Uh, but that's where my head goes to is actually, you know, seeing, can we do it? Are we moving the needle? Who's doing it well? Double down there. Okay, another one for you here. I like these rapid Jody reactions. We need to like zoom in right on Jody's reaction when I drop the number. Uh, nearly half, 47% of revenue leaders say that their reps don't realize a competitor, competitor is in a deal until the negotiation stage or later. And... 13% are saying that reps don't even know who they competed with even after the deal closes. Thoughts? Yeah, that's like, the, you know, the, the little hairs on my arms and the back <laughs> of my neck stand up uh, when I hear that. It's, that is frightening, uh, would be the, the kindest, most PG word I could say about that. Um, that's frightening. Um, and yet, as you were saying it, we had just, we've, you know, just underwent a, um, an evaluation process with some vendors and late stage, I had to be the one saying to these vendors, do you want to know who else is in the deal? Who else we're looking at? So you've, you lived that experience right now. So you are lived that experience. What was, and even actually thinking about this now, um, after telling some of them that we're not moving forward with them, they didn't even ask who we went with. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm, I've lived this um, and I probably lived it on both sides as a sales leader, as a seller. Um, I think it's especially as you know, if you're, you know, when you're just starting out in sales, I think it's you're so afraid to ask the question and you think that by highlighting, you know, who else someone could go with, you increase your risk of losing mm -hmm. that deal because they're it's like when you're first dating someone and you're like, hey, you know, look at look at her. Isn't she great? <laughs> I don't want to bring that up. He's what if he does look at her, my friend? You know, no, I don't want that. And so I think, but what you learn, I think, through experience is that the you know your buyer is going to look at competitors. In fact, in this market, they have to, um, from a due diligence perspective. And the you know the earlier that you bring it up, and the more confidently that you do so, um, it that's what I think engenders trust. So it's it's bringing up the elephant in the room and just honestly at this point in time you can't be naive to just if i don't say it it doesn't exist if i don't say the competitor's name they don't exist in this deal yeah it's literally my my three-year-old hiding under a blanket <laughs> and he's like you can't see me and i'm like yeah where are you like that's literally the game we're playing is grown adults in the business world Except for, yeah, when you can't see your son, it doesn't result in losing more revenue for your business, unfortunately. <laughs> well, might be a little bit more implications to that side of things. Yeah. I got one last one for you here. Yeah. And this one's a little bit broader, but 76% um, are saying in these competitive market conditions that they're seeing a greater separation between the good and the not so good performers on their sales team right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, in, in easy market times, uh, you can get away with a lot mm. in your selling motion. And to, in today's world, uh, it's, you know, buyers are more constrained, budgets are frozen, you know, the teams are not as large, they can't tackle taking on new things. And I think there's just so much more, um, you know, fear of messing up out there 
when I choose to purchase something and spend budget, uh, my reputation is on the line. And I think people are feeling that acutely today. Um, so yeah, the thought of not, um, you just forgot the stat. What did you, what did you team me up with there last? 76% seen a separation between the, the good, good and yes. not so good in well, competitive markets. Right minute done. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I think about the, the 76% and that, um, the distinction that starts and that separation or, you know, wedge between folks that are still getting it done today and then folks that are struggling uh, to get it done. I think we have to, that's where, you know, going back down to that micro level and looking at specifically the competitive win rate versus the overall win rate. What are you doing differently? What are the, what are your customers experiencing? And I think with sales, it's all about diagnosing. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, frothy market times, it's really easy to, you know, take chances and experiment uh, with, you know, new ways of doing things. And in today's world and in today's market, if you can't diagnose effectively, if you can't frame the problem and articulate it, you know, almost more effectively than what your buyer is able to articulate it as, um, if you can't, you know, empathize and truly understand the pain that they're experiencing and, you know, be able to quantify how acutely they're feeling it. Um, if you can't do that, there isn't really a deal there. And so those, those skills around discovery, building rapport, building trust, and then the ability to educate your customers, I think that's, that's where it's at today. So the sellers that have those skills, they are still getting that done today because they know that buyers have so many ways to solve a problem and solve a pain, right? It's not just you or your competitor, it's do nothing, it's build something internally, it's add a widget, you know, or a, a product line into an existing platform they're al already paying for. And I think that you differentiate and or that differentiation between, again, those sellers that are, are still getting it done today and versus the ones who aren't, are those ones who have the confidence to explore with their customer and really align with that buyer to say, how could you solve this? Do you need to? Is this something? And we spend the time on the deals that have those legs. Yeah, this is this report in general. I think if you're in compete in product marketing, I know we're, we're getting a revenue leader's perspective, but what you mentioned on all of those statistics, you're talking about what is happening within deals and the impact of competitors and being unable to compete effectively is happening to the bottom line, to the sellers that are in the field today. And so, although we got some, uh, we got some Jody reactions to some of these not so fantastic statistics. Honestly, I see it as an opportunity for listeners that are in product marketing compete. Like this is an opportunity to bump those stats up. This is an opportunity to move the needle and to create positive change when it's sorely needed right now. So anyone that isn't, hasn't checked it out yet, when the pie shrinks, show notes below. Again, show notes below, check it out. Jody, I wanna close out. We're doing a little pivot here. We're gonna do a little segue because one of my favorite parts of Winning as Women podcast as you mentioned, is the human side. I think we like to call it the warm and fuzzies, the touchy-feely, I don't know. All of those all of those buzzwords. But I love the, those conversations that you've had and you really have this kind of superpower to um, allow people to kind of bring their human side to a conversation. Um, on that note, one of the upcoming guests in season three is Steph White, the Senior Director of Revenue Enablement at Lupio. And in a recent LinkedIn post, 
she said that sales enablement is people enablement. What do you think of this definition that Steph's dropped on LinkedIn? I could not be more aligned. Steph is brilliant. Uh, and the fact that she realizes that um, selling skills are just human skills. You know, at the end of the day, I think where we're at is with, you know, AI. It is going to allow everything that's process related to be taken ideally off of our hands. So what are we left with? You know, we're left with how we make someone else feel and how someone else experiences us. And selling skills or, you know, revenue driving skills today that we that we probably want to focus the most on are all about uh, the softer skills, you know, creating empathy, perspective taking, um, listening. Those are the, the things that are going to actually move the needle and make someone at the end of the day trust you uh, to help them improve something in their business. And if they don't trust you, you will not be in that room when they're having discussions about, you know, how to solve something. How do you personally balance this sort of the, the people side, like this motivational, supportive side of enablement with the, I don't want to say elephant in the room, like the, the reality that there's a necessity to hit targets right now and it's, it's more difficult. How do you kind of balance that? You know, probably when I was in sales, I was so metrics oriented. And then when I started in enablement, you know, from a bridge through coaching, I was so people skills oriented. And I think over the last, you know, six months, nine months, I really stepped back in and kind of had to, you know, take some allergy pills against my allergic reaction to metrics <laughs> and being managed by them for 18 years. Um, and I had to, you know, really step back in and say, what, you know, what are we all doing this for? And it's really, you know, we believe, and I think anyone in there, in any organization out there, you have to believe that you're helping people in a better way. And so if you believe that, you've got to find a way to, to measure it. You know, what's the, what are we actually doing to move the needle here? What's it all for? And I think if you start there and you look at your metrics there of, of like, how do we track if we're being effective? That feels, um, it feels more, I don't know, value centered for me. And within that, there are so many different things that we, because we're, you know, innately flawed as humans, that we do to get in our own way um, towards being able to, you know, we're not machines. We can't just go, you know, I have to make X amount of calls and I have to prospect. Well, that means I have to pick up the phone and face rejection. <laughs> so if I, as an enabler, go, yeah, it's, it's super easy. Here's the, the talk track. You just pick it up and you just do it. That person, you know, potentially sitting home alone, there's a lot of resistance that they're fighting and having to overcome. And so that's where the people skills come in for me. It's like, what do we need to um, unlock for people to be able to, you know, want to do something instead of feel like they have to do something? Um, that's, a, you know, a harder element of your job, which is really the nature of a lot of revenue roles. I appreciate you taking that question there. That's a, that's a tough question to answer. Um, Jody. if anyone wants to hear more wisdom like that and diving into a question that makes you, makes you get a little bit more vulnerable, then listen to Jody and Winning as Women on the Compete Network in July. Thank you so, so much for joining me, Jody. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Adam. You had some uh, spicy questions and some spicy stats that got me uh, got me to pay attention. So yeah, we, we I had, had a, a roller coaster today. 
All right, everyone, we will catch you all next week.